Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to worship with you all. And uh, uh, up until now, uh, I could get away with preaching in front of empty, rather empty sanctuary, although there are several of us have joined for today. Uh, but here we are, and uh, I know it's different, and uh, it's a little strange to be doing this, but uh, I know that God is present uh, here with us as we worship together, and, uh, and may God strengthen me as well as uh, I preach to empty chairs as well as humans uh, in between the chairs. Um, today, we'll look at... Um, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Uh, last time I preached, I started on this book, Philippians, and we'll continue on today. So again, today's passage is Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Let me read it for us, and uh, we'll pray, and we'll going to the sermon. Here's the word of God. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be sure, uh, pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of, the, fruit of, fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll start. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather uh, around your word. Uh, even though that may be uh, remote, that may be virtual, uh, and yet, you have allowed us to do this uh, for our edification, but ultimately for your glory. So God, uh, be present among us even right now. Uh, open up our hearts to your word so we, so we can hear your voice uh, through this time and uh, be transformed. And use me, Lord, uh, as your unworthy servant uh, that has been tasked with uh, this amazing task of delivering your living word. Uh, give me strength, and uh, may we all grow together as a church uh, through this time. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this book, uh, the book of Philippians, uh, is a uh, letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, uh, which is uh, the modern-day Greece. And in today's passage, we see that Paul is praying for the Philippians. And what I found interesting is that uh, in the prayer, there is not a prayer regarding their current situations. Meaning, right now the Philippians are suffering. They're being persecuted as Christians and facing all kinds of physical dangers. But Paul does not ask for, you know, physical deliverance or some physical relief for them. But instead, Paul prays for their spiritual health. And I thought that was applicable to us too, because many of us are going through various hardships and inconveniences right now because of the pandemic. And uh, 
And just as it is valid to pray for the physical deliverance from these situations, I think we can also pray with Paul right now through this passage for what can perhaps truly help us through the situations, namely our heart. Um, so I hope that as we study this passage and again pray together with Paul, we can be encouraged by uh, the word of God. I have three points for you uh, corresponding to the three elements of Paul's prayer in this passage. First, may your love abound. May your love abound. Verse 9, it says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Paul prays that the Philippians' love may abound more and more, meaning grow boundlessly. There, when we try to understand what Paul means by that, you see curiously, love there has no object in the text. You know, who are we supposed to love? You know, love presupposes relationship, so there has to be an object, a person that you love. Well, we find some clues about the answer for that uh, in the context. In verse 10, Paul will portray us standing in front of Christ on the last day. And in verse 11, glory and praise are directed to God. So again, in context, we can conclude that the primary object of love in this passage is God. But obviously, this shouldn't exclude their love for other human beings. Because after all, Jesus said in the Gospels, in the greatest commandment, that we are to love the Lord with all our hearts and love our neighbors like it. So it's not mutually exclusive. The love for uh, God is the primary calling for Philippians and us. But from the outflow of our love for God, we are to love others. And now, with that cleared up, uh, we go to the remainder of the verse where Paul will specify the areas in which uh, their love for God is to grow. He says, with knowledge and all discernment. First, knowledge. You know, in any romantic relationship, if you love someone, you'll want to get to know that person deeper and deeper over time. When my wife and I, Deb and I, started dating 10 years ago, I was very eager to learn about her. But I can say even now, after 10 years, I'm still discovering new things about her. For example, uh, she likes her tea, not too weak, not too strong. So I have to steep the tea bag for exactly two minutes, no longer no shorter than that. But on a more deeper level, I've seen her you know, casting herself to God when she comes to the end of herself and has no more strength to go on. And I think I saw more of this recently, uh, and, and I have really appreciated that about her. And I know it's kind of cheesy, but the more I get to know her, I get to love her. 
And the more I love her, I want to know her because there's always new things about her that I want to learn about. And this is true with God too because Christian life is all about our love relationship with God. And as our love for God grows and our relationship becomes more intimate, we would want to get to know more about who God is and what he wants from us. Like personally, I've come to know and appreciate how God is a generous God. Contrary to what the world or myself or Satan would say, you know, he is generous, not stingy. He's not a God who is waiting for me to fail, but he just cannot wait for, uh, cannot wait to bless me and shower me with his grace every single day so I can continue on in my journey. And that he wants me to become more like Christ in my character instead of him giving me just, you know, some physical comfort and, you know, I don't know, rolling in dough and just live my life. That's who God is and you get to know about him in, in our relationship with him. Again, as our love for him grows, we want to know about him more. And as we know about him more, we get to love him more. That's, the, that's how it goes. And, and I think this could be a paradigm shift for perhaps some of us in regards to reading the Bible. And whenever we open up the Bible, you know, we're not there to simply put a check mark on a to-do list or accumulate some moral principles to apply. Rather, we are primarily there in front of the Bible to learn more about the one we love and want to love him more and more through what we learn about him and his will. So love and sweetness can happen during our uh, Bible reading time. So that's the first area where love is to grow. And second area in the text is discernment. Now, if you just know more about the person you love, but the knowledge doesn't really change how you live or how you think around them, something's wrong with their relationship. For example, you know, when I know for a fact that that, you know, loves a quality time with me and that, you know, she doesn't like it when I spend too much time on my phone, but I decide to still do it, you know, anyway, if I do that, then, you know, there will be a conflict in our relationship. Just like that, in our you know, relationship with God, if we know God's will revealed in the scriptures and how he wants us to direct our lives, but we don't take it into account, then there will be a halt in our growth in the relationship. In other words, our knowledge of God and his will have to become a lens through which we see every situation of our lives. And we are to, through that lens, we are to discern and make decisions uh, that would cultivate, not hinder, our love for God. So that's why, by the way, it, the text says all discernment, meaning uh, discernment in all kinds of situations. So for example, you know, we're to discern whether you know, a movie or a show that we watch you know, would it help us to love God more or will it diminish our love for God? There has to be discernment because of our love relationship with God. So that's what Paul is praying for, for, for the Philippians. That 
abounding growth in love. You know, love that is not nebulous or just a feeling, but love that inspires us to know more about God and discern for the benefit of the relationship. And now, you know, when we pray that, when we do grow in love that way, it will have certain impact in our lives. So we go on to the next point, which is, may, may you be pure and blameless. May you be pure and blameless. Verse 10, Paul goes on and prays that, so that you may approve what is excellent. So be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. First, Paul exhorts them to approve what is excellent. There the word approving means accepting something and putting it into practice after testing its value. Uh, the, the word reminds me of buying things on Amazon or any other online stores. You don't just you know, buy or you shouldn't buy things just on a whim. You are to you know, evaluate things, right? So you, you have to you know, look through the pictures, you know, read the specs and, you know, weighing between, you know, positive and negative reviews and so on. You do all this research and then you pay your money and get it shipped to your home and you use it. Likewise, Paul is praying that the Philippians would evaluate, accept, and practice what is excellent. And now, what this means is really an extension and application of what we saw, what we just saw in the previous verse, especially the discernment piece, meaning as we discern through the lens of love and evaluate, you know, what would help our relationship with God, then we choose and practice it in our lives. And, and when we go through that process over and over, there will be an impact in our you know, relationship with God. And here, I want us to pause and realize that indeed, our daily choices, no matter how big or small they are, they do matter for our love relationship with God. And the moment we decide to do things, it'll either help us grow closer to God or drift us away from God, perhaps little by little, inch by inch, step by step. Deb and I have been enjoying uh, this uh, YouTube channel. Um, I'm not going to say its name, but uh, it's, it's a channel that explains the world history rather comically. And, and maybe you know what I'm talking about. It's a very popular channel these days. Um, but <clears throat> one of the episodes is about Hitler and how he became uh, what he was in history. And there, again, it's a good, good show and we enjoyed it. And, and there, you clearly see that Hitler didn't just wake up in the in, on random morning and decided to become the worst dictator in history and kill millions of people. It just didn't happen overnight. The show portrays a series of events that happened in his life and the choices that he made along the way that built up his worldview and his character. And I know this might seem a little extreme as an example, but I think the principle applies. Similarly, you know, all the choices that we make, they have eternal consequences. So some choices that we make daily, you know, 
they can draw, draw us closer to God and make us more godly in our character. While some choices can you know, pull us away from God and diminish our character in God. And I think that's what Paul is getting at in the next line, in the verse. He says, so Philippians, choose well so that you, may, you can become pure and blameless. The word pure there means sincere, having no ulterior motive. That is, what people see on the outside is identical to what is truly happening on the inside. And I, th- I thought of Zoom when I thought of this, this word. You know, on Zoom these days, all that people see um, is your face or whatever else you decide to um, have on your screen. So you can make it look like or sound like a certain type of person that you are, but that may not be really who you are, right, on the outside of the screen. But pure people, Paul is saying, are those who have built up their character through the series of wise choices and decisions, and they can have the identical Zoom image versus what's really them on the outside. That's character. That's purity of heart. And then Paul also mentions blamelessness. That means not stumbling others. Because you're so pure and sincere in your character, people see that and get blessed. And and on the contrary, if you don't have that character, people will uh, eventually see who you really are and they get stumbled by that. You see, the truth of the matter is, you know, if you have any flaw in your character, it will not just impact yourself alone, but it will impact people around you, especially within the body of Christ. So character matters. And these characters, purity and blamelessness, again, are not overnight sensation. They are built over a long period of time through our little choices. And that's what Paul is praying for. And and as we are mulling over this, the importance of our choices about our relationship with God, I think Paul gives us an ultimate uh, motivation for for that process. So so follow with me here. Uh, The end of the verse, he says, all of this is for and in preparation for the day of Christ. The day of Christ is when Christ will come back and take his judgment seat by definition. And he will reveal then what we are truly made of, which is our character, and decide where people will spend their eternity. But for those who are in Christ, that day is also a wedding day, the scripture says. That day, Christ will be the groom taking his bride, his church, and enter into an eternal, unhindered union. That's what that day is for, for those who are in Christ. And now with that in mind, Paul's prayer for our character can make sense. I get this illustration from Dr. Brian Chappell. And if the day of Christ is a wedding day for the believers, right now then is the engagement period. You know, basically when you, when, when they started their journey with God by putting their faith in Christ, they were, in a sense, 
getting engaged to Christ to be married on the last day. And now, in our real lives, if you're preparing for your wedding during engagement period, you definitely want to change things about yourself, right? Uh, in preparation for the wedding. Uh, of course, many people, they try to change things about themselves physically so they might work out and stuff. Uh, but more importantly, people prepare inwardly. That's why many couples uh, do premarital counseling before their wedding. Why? Because you want to give your spouse your best. And you definitely not use your engagement period to indulge in your old habits. Or worst, you'd never look at other boys or girls other than your spouse during that period. No. The engagement period is there to prepare you for your spouse-to-be because you have that singular love for your spouse. And you want to make that day special. Likewise, for those who are in a relationship with God, this, this period is an engagement period before the wedding day. Out of their singular love for their groom, Christ, they would want to make the right choices and become the right people, people who have pure and blameless character so that, so to speak, they can look stunning at their wedding day in front of their spouse-to-be. So that's, again, Paul's prayer. As our love for Christ grows naturally, it should drive us, inspires, inspire us to choose the right things and become the people of substance and character. The third and last, may you bear fruit by God and for God. Again, may you bear fruit by God and for God. Verse 11, it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There Paul summarizes what we have been talking about by using the phrase, the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is the outward crop of what's happening inside in our hearts because of our right relationship with God. And now this is identical to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, the, the, the list that includes love that we just talked about, and also other traits that allude to the purity and blamelessness that we uh, just talked about. So again, you know, Paul is praying that we will grow in our character and that we will reap the harvest of our character. And in fact, be filled and be plentiful with it in our lives as the day of Christ approaches. But now, immediately, Paul adds something crucial about bearing fruit, lest we miss it. So here he says, this fruit is produced by Jesus Christ. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, it is true that our discerning uh, choices based on our love for God matter, like we said, in building Christ-like character. 
But mere human efforts cannot ultimately change our sinful hearts and bring about godly character. It is rather the supernatural because our heart is that desperate and dead. It has to be the supernatural power of Christ through the Holy Spirit that gives us a new heart with the ability to have godly traits and that empowers our efforts to produce the fruit. And best of all, the same book in verse 6 of this chapter, Paul said that Christ will perfect this process of growth in the end. And he will make sure that we will indeed look stunning at our wedding day. He will finish the process. He will start the process. He will finish the process. He will take care of the in-between, his work. So you see, now going back to our current passage, before Christ came into our hearts, we were unable to even love, right? Because our hearts were all about ourselves. And love is all about giving, but we couldn't give. Even the loving things that we attempt to do are marred by selfishness. But like Romans 5.5 5 says, when the Holy Spirit enters and pours out God's love into our hearts, we change and now with the Holy Spirit empowering us, we can love and through again his empowerment, we can choose the right things and become loving people with the character. That's how it works. And, and that's why you see, Paul is praying in this passage, right? He's not just simply commanding us to have this character, make the right choices and do this and that. No. He's praying. Why? He knows that apart from work of God, nothing is possible. This is all efforts that are useless. And you see, that's why we call it the fruit of the Spirit. Because it is generated by the Spirit, not our self-generated effort. And now, with all this in mind, now it makes sense why Paul says this in the next line. And we finish with that. It says, to the glory and praise of God. Meaning, because Christ and the Holy Spirit is the one who grows our character and empowers us through the process, God deserves our praise and the glory from us. I mean, you know, we didn't get to do this this year because of the pandemic, but you know, whenever people give their testimony at Easter baptism or uh, at other events, you know, our response is what? It is praising God, right? It's because it's always how God used a certain sermon, certain people, and certain tough circumstances to bring about change and save them and grew them. And that's why we praise God as a response. And it would be ludicrous for us to go up to the, the testimony giver after and, and say, good job for the fruit. Good job turning your life around. No, we say, praise God. He gets the credit. He's done it all. And that's the truth of our journey in our Christian life. It's all God's work that empowers 
our desire and our work uh, for for him. And, and now, I think how this can be applied to us is that we have hope in our lives, in our journey. Um, you know, I got to talk with some of you in our church, and, and you graciously shared with me that since the pandemic started, your spiritual life has been tough. Um, you know, there have risen many doubts, and you've experienced, you know, failures and apathy, and and it's been discouraging. And now, against that background, I think this passage, like what we've been talking about, could be discouraging or feel impossible, right? Like, how can I have this love abounding for God and make the right choices and become, you know, people of character? And I'll say it is right for you to feel that way if it is all up to us. But if, like we said, it's up to Christ who brings about the fruit and who makes sure that you reach the final destination, you can simply turn to him and find strength and hope. Uh, This past week, uh, one of the greatest Christian apologists, um, perhaps in history, Ravi Zacharias, passed away and went to be with the Lord. And many people recounted their influence, his influence on their lives uh, as tributes to his passing. And one renowned Christian film director, Dallas Jenkins, uh, recounted about his and his wife's personal interactions with Robbie when he was alive. Apparently, they were friends, and at one point, Jenkins and his wife were struggling uh, in their spiritual lives and asked Robbie for advice. And apparently, this is what Robbie said in response. He said, if you are not a praying person, you must carry your faith. But if you are a praying person, your faith carries you. Let me say it again. He said, if you are not a praying person, you must carry your faith. But if you are a praying person, your faith carries you. What this means is that if you're not a person who depends on the Lord in prayer in the steps of your life, you must carry the burden of your own spiritual growth and health. And that is a very burdensome and discouraging thing to do. But if you are a person who strives to depend on the Lord and and you do that in every step, then your faith, meaning what you believe about God and what he does about your growth, it carries you. If that's true, then you can cast the burden, the ultimate burden onto him, trusting that he will make the growth happen. That's his job. Your job is that you receive his grace that covers all your failures along the way. And whenever you come before him, you always start anew. And you strive to love the Lord, try to cherish him, enjoy him as a person in a relationship. And and from there, 
you make the right choices. Strive to do that through many different failures. And, and you see that God will use even those failures to grow you. And you do all these things, again, with the faith, with the trust that in the midst of it all, God is doing it. He is taking care of everything in your midst. So, so again, as we go on in this journey through this pandemic, things can be discouraging, uh, a lot of inconveniences and discouragement. But the promise of scripture from this passage is God is working. And our job is trusting on his work and continue to love him and pursue after him. Before we finish with the song, uh, by the way, uh, we're going to be singing Living Hope. Again, because of the promise of the scripture, this, this passage, that it is Christ who is the Savior, who is the deliverer, who is the uh, initiator and perfecter of our faith. Apart from him, there is no hope. We do this because of him with him, for him, he is the Savior. And, and as we pray before we sing this song, um, let's pray for our hearts, um, just trusting that God is here with us in your living room, wherever you're watching this right now, even in the sanctuary. Um, let's ask God to have mercy on us. Even this time that we just had through the word, through the singing of songs, it's all God's means of grace. Him pouring out his mercy on us so that we can turn our eyes away from us, our mere human efforts, and turn to him and find strength and hope in him and continue to pursue this love relationship simply loving him as our um, groom, as the one that we love and cherish. Can we pray for a minute? And um, we'll pray and sing the song together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you that um, as we get to know you personally, we discover that you are infinitely merciful, God. Um, that you just can't wait to pour out your grace on us. You're not just waiting at the finish line. But you are walking with us. Oh, Lord, uh, we need more of that truth and for that truth to move our hearts. So we can come back to you. Go deeper in this love relationship with you, God. So help us, especially those of us who might have been discouraged or you know, apathetic because of all the circumstances and what's been in their hearts. Um, please encourage all of us, God, so, so that we can, as a church, 
continue to pursue hard after you and um, praise you alone for all the work that you do. Pray in Jesus' name. Okay, we'll uh, close our worship at this time. Um, but before we do that, just the passage that we heard, if we can pray that prayer um, for someone that you know, maybe in your small group or uh, in our church or your family, just someone that you know that is struggling. And just like Pastor Aiden talked about, it seems like a lot of people might be struggling spiritually these days. And so if you can just pray that passage, um, you can open your eyes and look at the verses. Just pray that passage for someone that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You may be able to discern what is best, be pure and blameless for the good of Christ. Just pray that for someone filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, believing that Jesus will do it for the glory and praise of God. Pray that for someone right now, and then if you can throughout this week, Pray that for yourself. Let's give a few seconds to do that and then close in prayer and benediction. Father, we thank you that we can gather together and sit at the feet of your word. Thank you that your word strengthens our hearts. We thank you that um, the, the burden of being like Christ and obeying the word of God is not... Um, something that we have to generate on our own strength, but that you uh, not only command in your word, but you promise in your word uh, that it is by your, uh, by your grace and for your glory. So help us to believe in that and in our pursuit of Christ. Uh, strengthen us with that truth throughout this week. And uh, pray that we would be a praying community that cares for one another as we carry each other's burdens through our prayers. And as we pray that, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the unchanging love of the Father God, and fellowship, strength, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you. God's people, both now and forever. Amen.